Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, a podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Now, I made a promise when we did issue 383 of Adventure Comics that Supergirl would be back, and Supergirl is back. This week we're doing a story from issue 387 of Adventure Comics that was published on the 30th of October 1969 and dated December 1969. Pizzi, tell everyone about the cover. Oh, I'd be delighted. We have at the top the Supergirl starring in Adventure Comics logo. Underneath, we have Supergirl flying in the sky above uh, an island, mm. and in front of her is a child who's flying mm. through the sky, but he's bearing a cage, and inside the cage is Lex Luthor, mm. and he's shouting at Supergirl, saying, You can't return me to prison, Supergirl! My super nephew flew me beyond the US territorial limit! I'm free now! And the little boy who's bearing the cage cries, Go away, bad lady! Uncle Lex, good man! And a caption says, Featuring Lex Luthor's outlaw nephew. Listeners, in the time-honored tradition of the Earth 2 podcast, you will not be surprised to learn that we're not doing this story. No, that is not the story we're covering. There's more than one story in this issue. Instead, we are doing the very first story in it. Yes. We'll just jump straight into it. Why beat around the bush? We have an opening splash panel. The Supergirl logo. Writ large. Ooh, it's by Kurt Schaffenberger. Lovely. Yes. And it's written by Carrie Bates. Ooh, lovely. Yeah. Opening splash panel. Some sort of domestic scene. There's a nice big sideboard with a vase of flowers. There's a mirror on the wall. But Supergirl, for it's Supergirl that's here, is punching this mirror and it's shattering. Now, it must be said at this point, Supergirl looks very different. She's wearing a traditional Mm -hmm. costume, but her hands look sort of brown and hairy. Her features look different. Her ears are extended. She's a bit of a sort of snout, a very furrowed sort of brow. There are lines on her forehead and her face is kind of fuzzy and furry. She still has her traditional blonde hair. But we see this angle reflected in this now broken mirror as it falls and she looks, well, she looks terrifying, quite frankly. Supergirl is in a state of distress and she thinks, I can't stand to look at my hideous wolf face. I'll smash every mirror I see. They only remind me that I can never be normal again. And the caption at the foot of the page says Supergirl has always been a girl watcher's delight and the envy of less lovely lassies but things have changed and now she'd only delight the producers of monster movies yes the maid of might has been tragically transformed into the The wolf Wolf girl Girl of of stanhope wow yes you can already tell uh, this story is going to have lots of stuff that's aimed at girls about, God, how you should probably be really pretty and yeah. you should conform and be like, every- oh, God. Right, here we go. <laughs> Jumping into page two. <laughs> the caption for the first panel of page two says, Within this test tube could be the greatest possible benefit to Supergirl or the greatest curse. Yes, it's a shot of a robotic arm attached to a massive old-fashioned computer bank-style computer that's bearing a test tube in its robotic clamp hand. There appears to be some sort of liquid inside, and a voice is saying off-camera, Now for the electrostatic treatment, and the serum will be ready to drink. The next panel shows little boats of 
electricity striking this test tube. Gorgeous burst of blue energy all around it. Very, very effective. I might put it on Instagram. I don't know. I love Kurt Schaffenberger's artwork. It's oh yes, mm-hmm. every panel's a feast for the senses. Mm-hmm. As the lightning bolts strike the test tube, another voice off camera says. No matter what happens, I appreciate all the months of research and experimentation you've put in in this project, Dr. Sanford. The camera pulls back, panel three. Dr. Sanford is revealed. She's an older-looking woman with a bit of a bun hairdo, thick black framed glasses. She's wearing a not a full-length lab coat. She's removing the test tube from the robotic clamp arm and saying to Supergirl, If my super vaccine works and makes you immune to kryptonite, your one weakness... All the painstaking labour will be worthwhile, Supergirl. And the caption for panel four says, And as the girl of steel lifts the precious liquid to her lips. Dr. Sanford continues, Wait, Supergirl, what if my theories are wrong and that mixture of chemicals doesn't erase your kryptonite weakness? What if it has a bad effect on you? And Supergirl, as she brings the test tube up to her lips, looks kind of casual, looks kind of nonplussed, and she says, Relax, Doctor. I'm Supergirl, remember? I can swallow molten steel and not even burp. Gosh, now the next panel, Supergirl takes a sip from the test tube and her body is surrounded by a little golden aura. She's clearly had a ready break. Dr. Sanford puts her hand to her throat. She looks pensive. And as Supergirl takes a drink, she says, Down the hatch. And does this stuff pack a wallop? My whole body is tingling. However, in the next panel, she clutches her stomach. She doubles up and says, Oh, now I feel sick. Dizzy. Dr. Sanford looks concerned and says, No wonder. The vaccine contains small amounts of kryptonite. Otherwise, it wouldn't build up an immunity in your super body. But you should be all right soon. Now, the first panel, page three. Gosh, very, very compromising position Supergirl is in. She's down on her knees, face down on the floor, and she cries. Y- yes, I'm feeling better already. Doctor looks down. We can see the test tube on the floor. Dr. Sanford says, Supergirl, what's wrong? You don't sound like yourself. Are you hiding something from me? Turn around. Supergirl has got to her feet. In the next panel now, she's a slightly manic expression as she says, Calm down, Doctor. Don't get up tight. Of course I'm all right. Now, don't you think we should get on with the experiment? The Doctor puts her hand on a laboratory bench for support. She puts her hand up to her face. She looks pained as she says, Forgive me. The pressure of these last few weeks in the lab has been a strain on my nerves. And we have a caption in panel three that says, And after the doctor has brought out a small lead container and opened it? Yes, she's opened a small lead container. We can see a burst of green light emanating from it and striking Supergirl. Dr. Sanford says, I'm exposing you to a chunk of green kryptonite. If the serum is a success, you should feel no discomfort whatsoever. Supergirl says, Well, I can't say I feel any pain, but another weird sensation has hit me. In the next panel, Dr. Sanford, almost at a spotlight, looks appalled. She drops the casket that had the kryptonite in it, and she says, Supergirl, I had nightmares of something terrible happening, but I never dreamed it would be like this. And off-camera, Supergirl says, What's wrong, Doctor? In the next panel, she is revealed. The face that we saw in the opening splash panel, the talons almost of her furry brown hands, her sharp teeth, her pinched nose, her Angular eyebrows, her angled ears, her feral eyes, as she says, I don't know why you... My hands, what's happened to them? She crosses to a mirror in the next panel, looks at a reflection and says, No, 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 
This couldn't have happened. It's too ghastly. I've become a hairy wolf girl. We arrive at the top of page four. Caption for the first panel says, Regaining her composure as the superheroine in the Marvel Maid dominates the frightened girl. Feralface Supergirl says, Congratulations, Doctor. Your serum is a success. Now kryptonite doesn't even make me wince. Yeah, she says this as she's holding the kryptonite that was in the casket in the palm of her hand. The Doctor looks utterly appalled. She has her hands to her head as she says, I'll do everything in my power to discover an antidote that will get you back to normal. They embrace in the next panel. The Doctor says, I'm so sorry I've done this terrible thing to you. You must hate me, Supergirl. No, this has just been a terrible accident, that's all. Everything will turn out fine. And she thinks, I wish I really believed that. It's interesting to note that all the panels on this page are labelled with tiny A, B, C, D and E just to kind of guide you through Kurt's unusual story structure. And it makes sense, actually, because it, he could have flipped some of these around and made it a bit clearer. It's very odd. So anyway, hmm. panel three is captioned. And moments later... And once again, like the last time we saw Supergirl on the Earth 2 podcast, she's flying through the air and she's thinking some exposition. My cousin Superman may be the only person on Earth who can help me. With his knowledge of intergalactic science, perhaps he can create an antidote. He's usually at his Arctic Fortress of Solitude at this time of day. And then the caption for panel 4, or in this case, panel D. But upon reaching the massive citadel... Yes, this looks very unfortunate. We see the familiar giant lock, we see the key, we see Superman trapped under the key. Yeah, the key doesn't look like it normally does, and very helpfully, Supergirl has some more exposition as she flies down. Great sons! Some villain must have set this diabolical kryptonite trap for Superman by replacing the fortress key with a metal-sheathed kryptonite key. He's not moving. Could I be too late? It almost looks like the key has landed on top of Superman and the, mm. the gold paint has fallen off, revealing the, the glowing green kryptonite underneath. In panel E, Supergirl hurls the giant kryptonite key up into the air, disposes it. She looks down towards her cousin and she thinks, Good. My superhearing tells me Superman's heart is still beating. How ironic. If it weren't for the serum which made me into a monster, I couldn't remove this kryptonite and rescue Superman. Well done, Supergirl. Supes starts to come to in the first panel, page five, as Supergirl stands over him. He's leaning against a rock, rubs his head, and he says, I don't know how you got the green K off me so fast, but I'm sure glad you came along, Supergirl. I only got here myself a few minutes ago. And he narrates the next panel, which is rippled in a flashback style he continues, saying, As soon as I lifted the fortress key, and we see the key is predominantly yellow, he lifts it up, but the yellow starts to flake off little clouds of green dust as Soups thinks, Ah, the key was booby-trapped. A thin coating of gold-coloured lead is bursting off, revealing a green K key. The Superman Revenge Squad swore to get me for certain after I'd nabbed one of their leaders last month. We return to the present. He looks kind of angry, actually, in this panel, or at least surprised, as he continues saying, But I'm getting my strength back now and... Great Krypton! What the devil has happened to you, Supergirl? Supergirl thinks, Choke. Even Superman is repulsed by the sight of me. And then she says, It's a long story. And a slow fade leads us to the next caption that says, And when Supergirl has explained her plight... Superman is comforting his cousin. She's wiping away a tear as she says, So, I'm immune to kryptonite, but... Look at the terrible price I had to pay. Commiserating Superman says, Don't give up hope. I know the most brilliant scientific minds in the universe. I'll take off now and see if one of them can solve your problem. And a magnificently rendered Kurt Schaffenberger Superman flies off in the final panel. And as he 
departs, he says, But while I'm gone, Earth's safety will be in your hands. Do you feel up to taking over for me? And as Supergirl waves him off from the doorway of the fortress, she says, I can handle it, Superman. Hurry back and, for my sake, good luck. Now, we don't follow Superman in his quest immediately. Caption for the first panel of page six says, Soon as the wolf maid of might streaks towards Metropolis. Yes, Metropolis appears to be having a heck of a time. There's a big crack running down the road. We can see cars falling into it. Pedestrians running about. Someone on the street, in fact, says, Help! My car just fell in there! Another person says, We're all doomed! The crack keeps getting wider! And as she flies down, Supergirl thinks, Uh-oh! A sudden earth tremor must have opened up that fissure! She flies down towards the fissure in the next panel. A couple of young men, standing in the pavement beside. One of them looks a bit like Jimmy Olsen, actually. He has red hair, he's wearing a green jumper. He points and says, Ye gods! Is that Supergirl? And his friend says, She looks like the bride of the wolf man. Well, that's horrible. A Supergirl flies into the cleft in the ground, she thinks. How do you figure some people? One minute they're screaming in terror, the next they're making wisecracks. Then the caption for the next panel says, Deep inside the massive fissure a moment later. Yeah, we see the furry-faced Supergirl using her heat vision as she thinks. I can close up this dangerous crack, but... First, a few heat-vision blasts are needed to soften the walls of molten rock. Terrific. The caption for panel four. Moments later, after using her superpowers to force two huge iron stakes... Yes, this is echoes of John Jones's famous creating a tape recorder out of nowhere, for me, to be honest. Supergirl has somehow managed to create two what look like giant iron nails that she's forcing into the ground. She forces the second one in, she thinks... This may take a bit of effort. In a few minutes, I'll be tugging thousands of tons of solid rock. And the caption for the closing panel of page six says, Next, the blonde blockbuster fashions a heavy steel cable. Then... The blonde blockbuster? That's not very flattering, is it? Yes, yeah. off camera, in a similar style to the way she created the nails, Supergirl has forged a massive iron cable. She's looped it around the two nails and she's pulling on them. Has a mild effect. As she's up in the air pulling, she thinks... Uh, just a few feet more, and I will have pulled the walls of the fissure together. Since the rock is still molten hot, the sides will fuse on contact. Yes, it's almost like she's pulling on the, the nails and the, the steel cord to try and force the, the fissure to close up. Very, very effective. Um, lots of pedestrians, instead of getting out of the way, like sensible people are standing watching this. So, we arrive at the top of page seven. Although our heroine is still the supergirl she always was, some of the rest of the world finds her new look Hard to take. A great panel from Kurt here as the panel is almost shaped like a, a TV screen. Very round, as TVs were in those days, listeners. Unlike your monstrous 80-inch wide flat screens that's dominating your wall as you as you listen. A red-haired news pundit chap. Thinning red hair. He looks a bit like Eobard Thorn without the kiss curl. He's holding up a photograph. <laughs> she looks very grumpy of the feral-faced Supergirl. And he continues over the next two panels. This picture was taken with a telephoto lens as Supergirl averted an earthquake disaster this afternoon. I need not comment on her... Uh, face. The picture speaks for itself. Many people are disturbed by her appearance. They fear this hideous wolf girl may be some alien posing as Supergirl, perhaps scouting Earth for an alien invasion. He sounds a bit like Piers Morgan, doesn't he, listeners? The caption for panel <laughs> three says... 
At Stanhope College, student Linda, Supergirl Danvers, listens to the broadcast with particular interest. We see, obviously, in the dorm room, Linda, looking as we would expect to see her, and a few of her pals. They're watching this odious twerp on the television news, and as she watches the TV, Linda is thinking, I was afraid some fanatics might react that way to my face. I'm just glad I managed to fashion a lifelike mask and gloves to cover my hands and face. At least, no one will suspect Linda is actually... Super Wolf Girl. Super Wolf Girl sounds like the sort of band that would play third on the bill at King Tots on a Wednesday night. The caption for Mm. panel four of page seven says, But in the meantime, chances for a return to normal grow dim. Yes, we're back with Dr. Sanford in her laboratory as we see her pouring, oh gosh, pouring a liquid down the sink from a glass vial. Obviously, an experiment hasn't worked as the doctor thinks. This is the 15th formula I've tested, but all the tests are negative. <laughs> Great for the environment. This terrible. Just pour it down the sink. It's fine. Just like Rex Tyler dumping all his chemicals into the swamp. Exactly. <laughs> Legopolis. It'll flush down into the sewers and get ferried out and cross over to Earth 2 and cause Solomon Grundy to pop up or something. Indeed. Now, caption for panel 5 of page 7 says, And millions of light years across space in another galaxy... Yes, we're in another laboratory. We see Superman in conversation with an amazing creature. He is sort of the body of a dragon, but in a sort of um centaur-type way. Mm-hmm. He also has the torso and arms of a humanoid figure and a head. He has three eyes and a big, long, <laughs> black, droopy moustache. And this creature is saying to Superman, I'm sorry, Superman, unless you can find the precise chemical opposites of the elements in that serum and mix them exactly the same proportions, your cousin will never be cured. Gosh, Superman doesn't look too happy. We're back on Earth with the first caption for the first panel of page 8. The next morning, as Linda prepares to go to class... This is a great panel. We're basically in the bathroom (laughs) at the dorm. Supergirl, in her civilian clothes, standing next to the sink, and she's putting on her Linda mask. Off camera, one of her classmates or roommates is saying, Hurry it up in there, Linda! We'll be late for our calculus test. As she puts on her mask, Supergirl says, Be right out, Jan. And she thinks, I hope I won't be putting this mask on every day for the rest of my life. Yes, me too, actually. A little arrow takes us to the next panel, which is captioned, Her mind played with dread. Linda has little concentration left for the exam. We see Linda sat in class. We see the blackboard with a chalk right on it, some of her colleagues in front of her. But she's, she's not interested in Blackboard. She's looking beyond. There's a flash of her superpower vision and we can see that she's watching. Well, she very helpfully thinks and tells us what she's watching. I was so preoccupied, I accidentally turned on my telescopic vision and I've picked up a manned space launch in Florida. The caption for the final panel of page 8 says, But even as Linda watches... Yes, it seems though something has gone wrong with the rocket. It looks like it's wobbling and losing height. Off camera, a voice says, Great guns! The Neptune rocket has malfunctioned and is starting to topple over. The astronauts will be killed. And a second voice says, When it hits the ground, the whole base may go up in smoke. And we can already see the cloud of dust and flames underneath the rocket. A tiny caption says, Continued on second page following. That's a page which has a DC house ad for issue 222 of Superman, which is nice. But then we return to Linda in the first panel of page nine. A cracking Kurt inset panel as she thinks. I estimate I have just six seconds before the disaster hits, but that should be enough time for me to activate one of my Supergirl robots via superventriloquism. 
Yes, and then she sort of thought transfer type jaggedy speech bubble utters. Robot Z7 proceeds to missile base. Awesome. Capture for panel two. And with three seconds to go before the big boom, the robot arrives at the launch pad. That's amazing. We had no idea how close the robot was to the rocket, but it's got there. Mm -hmm. You see the rocket starting to plummet towards the ground. The Supergirl robot flying into position. A voice from off camera says, Supergirl, get it away from here. The unstable liquid fuel will explode any second. And then the caption for panel three. Swiftly, the robot carries the 100-ton rocket high into the stratosphere until... Yes, there's a massive boom. And the rocket explodes. Caught in the heart of the explosion, the Supergirl robot thinks. I must shield the man capsule from the blast. The awesome heat is damaging portions of my synthetic skin, but my circuits are still intact. Gosh, thank goodness for that. The next panel. I'm having flashbacks to the last Supergirl story we did. We see Supergirl flying towards the module that has the astronauts inside, and she's thinking. Good. The humans inside the capsule were unharmed. I'll deposit them back at the base. And the next panel, we see Supergirl indeed depositing the capsule at the base. We see a, a general walking forward to thank her. He says, Thanks, uh, Supergirl. You've saved the lives of three astronauts, not to mention millions of dollars worth of equipment. But he thinks, Great Scott, what has happened to her face? We don't see that just yet. As Supergirl alights with the capsule, she replies to the soldier saying, Glad to be of help, General. And as we turn the page, the first panel of page 10, oh my goodness, this is going on the socials. This actually, oh, yes. I might actually change my online dating profile picture at some point. <laughs> the caption very helpfully says, What did the General mean? Ironically, the rocket explosion melted the plastic synthetic skin of the robot's face, changing her features in a different way from Supergirl's. And we have to say, it's quite hideous. It's very effective what Kurt has achieved here. The Supergirl robot still is the fine figure, but her face is just dissolved. It's, it looks actually, it reminds me a little bit of, um, here's a reference for the kids. It reminds me of Margaret Thatcher's spitting image puppet. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Logopolis. <laughs> In many ways, we have the same mind. If you were to match up to Margaret Thatcher's spitting image puppet. Who is Margaret Thatcher? She was Prime Minister of Great Britain between 1979 and 1990. She's a very controversial figure. Listen out for our new Modern British Politics podcast. Caption for panel two of page ten. At that moment, far in the upper reaches of the atmosphere... Yes, the Man of Steel is returning. As he flies down, he catches sight of something. He's thinking, I don't know how I can face Supergirl. I must tell her I failed to find an antidote for her. And of course, he turns his head as he clocks, and he thinks, Oh, there she is now. Caption for panel three. But as the Man of Might swoops down to greet his super-cousin... He looks ecstatic. We don't see Supergirl's face, though, as Superman cries, Supergirl! Great Krypton! Your face is back to normal, as beautiful as ever! And you're not a robot. My super senses show you're real. You're cured! And in a now trademark Kurt insert circular panel, we see Supergirl, yes, and she does appear to have returned to normal, as she says, No, I'm not cured. I can't bear this face. You must help me! And an inset caption says, What does the Maid of Steel mean? Now, Hold on to your hats, listeners. Here comes the exposition. The next panel has a caption that says... Simple. This one is a different Supergirl. Here's our gal battling a wolf pack in a forest near Stanhope. This is a great panel showing Supergirl coming to the rescue of a deer who's being attacked by four wolves. Supergirl's punching one wolf, it's flying back, 
as she says, No, you don't, big bad wolves. Pick another meal. This doe has a fawn that needs her. But I'll bet you're surprised to get stopped by a wolf girl. Was Bambi doing the rounds in the cinemas at this point, listeners, I wonder? We arrive at the top of page mm. 11, caption for the first panel. Suddenly? Listeners, you may be interested to know that we don't have a sort of spare recording of Peter saying suddenly that we just reuse every time. Peter actually goes to the trouble of saying suddenly every time we have a caption that says that. And meanwhile? Yes. We are with the furry-faced Supergirl. As she looks up into the sky and sees Superman and regular-faced Supergirl descending. Furry-faced Supergirl cries, Superman, who's that with you? Is this some kind of cruel joke? No, Supergirl. Listen to this girl's story. And the other normal-faced Supergirl says, I'm from another dimension, a parallel Earth, occupying the same physical space as your Earth, but on a different vibrational plane. Well, hey, listeners, I bet you were wondering why we were doing this. Supergirl narrates the next few panels of this page. The next panel has a rippled effect to it, showing as we're getting a bit of a flashback. And the fine-faced Supergirl is saying, On my world, everyone looks like you do now, Supergirl. And so did I, until yesterday. Yes, it's a shot of the furry-faced people that live in this other Earth. They're all furry-faced, they all look like wolves. I wonder if, did humans and humanoids in this universe evolve from wolves? We'll hand that over to our good pal Multiverse historian to decide. Furry-faced Supergirl is flying overhead as a wolf lady in the street cries, Look, there's Supergirl on patrol! Supergirl narrates the next caption, saying, Nearly everything that happens in your world happens in mine. So I too went to a Dr. Sanford for a kryptonite antidote. And we see werewolf looking, Dr. Sanford, saying, Wait, Supergirl, what if my theories are wrong and that mixture of chemicals doesn't erase your kryptonite weakness? What if it has a bad effect on you? And once again, we see the furry-faced Supergirl, in this case, taking a sip from a test tube. As she says, Relax, Doctor. I'm Supergirl, remember? I can swallow molten steel and not even burp. She narrates the next caption. But the serum affected me in a terrible way, just as the one you took changed you. Yes, we see that the former furry-faced Supergirl is now looking in the mirror, and she's been affected by her serum, and she says out loud, No, no, no! This couldn't have happened. It's too ghastly. I've become a hideous, smooth-cheeked freak. Hideous, smooth-cheeked freak. Hmm. Yes, she basically looks like the Supergirl we would expect to see. In the foreground of the panel, furry-faced Dr. Sanford is crying behind her glasses and says, Oh, what have I done to you? And Supergirl continues to narrate the next panel. And like you, I could find no hope of getting back my normal appearance until I came across a dimensional gap and discovered your Earth. Yes, this is a cracking panel showing Supergirl flying towards the, the dimensional gap. It's her old pile of concentric circles, all radiating in rainbow waves, with a dark heart in the middle. As Supergirl flies towards it, thinking, Apparently there was an explosion in this world, at the same spot a rocket blew up in my world, and together they tore open an interdimensional rift. Ah, interesting. Mm -hmm. The final panel of page 11 shows the smooth-faced Supergirl, Superman and furry-faced Supergirl, who, if you remember, is our Supergirl. Smooth-faced Supergirl says, And that's how I got here. Superman, our Superman, looks to his cousin, our Supergirl, and says, When this Supergirl told me her story, I got a wild idea how to get you both back to normal. I think I know where this is going. Actually, I have two ideas of where this might go. Furry-faced Supergirl says, I'm way ahead of you, Superman. We'll each take the serum that changed the other and they'll restore our features. 
Terrific. That's one of the ideas I had, listeners. <laughs> I think I know what the other one is. What, that they were going to swap like they did yes. in Superman 215? <laughs> <laughs> Logopolis. Logopolis, listeners, was a four-part Doctor Who story by Christopher Hamilton Bidmead, which was broadcast in 1981, wrote out Tom Baker's Doctor, and has a scene where the Doctor and Adric talk about how, because they're Time Lords, the Master and the Doctor, in many ways of the same mind. And it's our shorthand for when Peter and I, because we're so in tune, have the same thought. Yes. Top of page 12, the caption says, And soon, as the two Dr. Sanfords look on in stark amazement... This final sequence of panels, I'm definitely putting this on Instagram, Kurt's a genius. The first panel is split on diagonal, as we see smooth-faced Supergirl drinking some serum, and we see furry-faced Supergirl drinking some more serum, each of them with um, their respective Dr. Sanfords. I love how... <laughs> Werewolf Dr. Sanford has the same hairdo <laughs> as her <Yes>. counterpart. <laughs> Panel 2 has a caption. A few moments later, triumph. Yes, we see the two Supergirl shaking hands through the dimensional barrier. Smooth-faced Supergirl has been returned to her furry-face normality. And she says, I see things went all right at your end. And our restored Supergirl replies, Yours too, it seems. Superman's idea paid off. And then the caption for the closing panel says, And after the maids of might say their goodbyes... Yes, we see the dimensional warp in front of our Supergirl. She blasts it with supervision and thinks... Both the other Supergirl and I agreed to use our heat vision to seal up the dimensional gap now that we're cured. I've lost my resistance to kryptonite, but I'll gladly take my chances with Green K to look like myself. And a small caption proclaims... The End. end. The rest of this page is taken up with a fantastic house advertisement for issue 87 of Sugar and Spike. Awesome. I wish I had more Sugar and Spike comics. Listeners, yeah, please send me some Sugar and Spike comics. Send us some both, actually. Not many came across here, I don't think. Not many were kept, anyway. Yeah. Listeners, please send us both some Sugar and Spike comics. I wonder if there's a Sugar and Spike story for the visit of Parallel. <laughs> bet neither of us have checked... Sugar and Spike for Parallel World Stories. We're going to have to do that, aren't we? Yeah, we will do. Now, before we start our discussion of the story, I just want to point out that the page opposite the concluding story panels is labelled the Linda Lee Hairstyle Poll. This is awesome. In 1961, our readers voted on the new hairdo from those pictured here to replace the pigtails then worn by Linda. Open bracket Supergirl, as shown left, and we see her with the pigtails. The campus cuddle bun was a top choice. Which would you have picked? Or do you think Linda would have had a hairstyle different from any of these? Write and give us your views, editor. And there's views of her with a ponytail and a Lorian Lamaris special, the campus cuddle bun. A contempo cut, which actually even now looks quite modern. She looks like Taylor Swift there, actually. There you go. And then a kitten cut, and she's only up streaky, looks very happy. So there you go, listeners. <laughs> this comic... Adventure comics, you know, the glory days of the Legion are long gone and we're peddling alternative haircuts <laughs> for our heroine. Listeners, write into DC Comics and tell them which hair do you think Linda Lee should have. So, Pete, that was the Wolf Girl of Stanhope. What did you think? It certainly was. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, really enjoyable, yet yeah, terrible idea about physical appearance. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, entertaining nonsense, but that's pretty much about it. I wonder what happened with the Supergirl robot that just carry on flying about with its melted face. Yes, forever. She's still out there flying around right now, listeners, to this day. When we write our DC comic, we're going to have melted face Supergirl robot come in and save the day. Yes. 
she'll sacrifice herself and she'll melt away completely in the final panel. It'll be really sad. Indeed. It'll be like the ending of Terminator 2. It'll be exactly like the ending of Terminator 2. <laughs> wow. Picture that, listeners, the thumb up. <laughs> I saw Terminator 2 three times in the cinema when it was first out, and then a couple of years ago I saw it again, so that was quite fun. It was much more straightforward than the last Supergirl story we did. Oh, yes. I think that is in its plus column. Mm-hmm. There was a huge amount of exposition. We didn't need a huge amount of convoluted exposition to tell us what was going on. You're right about the artwork. It's absolutely beautiful. Yes. Yeah. I love Kurt's artwork on it. It's, it's stunning. Yeah. It's been very difficult to pick out highlights. Mm-hmm. From the monster to the newsreader to the rocket going... I mean, that's another thing we should mention, actually. The last Supergirl story we did had an Apollo mission, and here's one with a Neptune rocket. Yeah. That's quite an interesting coincidence, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I liked Superman's involvement that he went off to yep. get a solution for his cousin. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to see a little bit of Supergirl of Linda's domestic life. That was fun too. Yeah, very much so. Uh-huh. I don't have too much to add beyond that. Don't worry, I've got a few points. Oh, oh good. The earthquake in Metropolis. Now, I don't know if you remember, but a lot of the stories I remember reading when I was younger, the phrase Metropolis is built in solid bedrock. Ah. Is a thing, and so there can't be any earthquakes there. Right. Somehow it's totally burned into my brain. Okay. Because it seemed to be like something that was said more than once in Bronze Age comics. Okay. And obviously we've got this casual earthquake in the middle of Metropolis. I do like how Supergirl fixes it. It's quite interesting. We're not into the Bronze Age yet, so we'll have to pay attention for any of those captions popping up. Ah, we're on the cusp. We're not fully in. What I mean is, you know, we're not really into the, <laughs> the Bronze Age of Superman. All those mm-hmm. Action Comics 300, whichever one it was we did, was very Bronze Age in its vibes. Yeah. Maybe they hadn't yet established the bedrock thing, but it's an interesting point. I have a vague memory of encountering what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. The kryptonite key aspect of it is fascinating. So Mm. it's a Superman Revenge Squad, we assume, that's done it. But again, that's just a thing that pops up around now and then. You know, there's something that happens and it's the Superman Revenge Squad. Yeah. But to actually make the exact same shape of the key out of kryptonite means they've got an awful lot of kryptonite. I mean... How much kryptonite does it take to kill Superman? Yes. Because he's literally lying under this giant thing that is made entirely out of kryptonite. Ah, uh, and it doesn't kill him? No. Yeah, I mean, was was the lead paint acting as an insulation? Could be. But you're right, I mean, what you said about the what happened to the Supergirl robot, I mean, what mm. happened to the, the kryptonite key that was just casually flung off into space? Yeah. Maybe that's going to return to Earth and cause some hassle and involve the Supergirl robot. Maybe, say. maybe. Stay tuned for our DC comic when it happens one day. <laughs> And what happened to the original key? I mean, somewhere out there, yes. you know, there is the original. How is he going to get into this fortress? This is terrible. <laughs> Maybe they just dumped it round the corner and Superman found it. Oh, there's the key over there, Supergirl. <laughs> That'll get us back into the fortress. Maybe that's what happened. He's going to have to go to the giant locksmith and get a replacement. Yes. <laughs> Planet of the giant locksmith. It's interesting. As a story, it's... I mean, I enjoyed it. It was great fun. Mm, mm-hmm. It was it was a fun little read. Curtis' artwork is gorgeous, blah, blah, blah. But it, it felt slightly more disposable than the Supergirl story we did a few episodes ago, I think. But yeah. It still felt childish, for want of a better way of putting it, I think. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I'd like to give a shout-out to listener Mark Tensmeyer. Hi, Mark. Who asked us back in December 2020 if we'd be covering these two Supergirl <laughs> parallel universe stories from Adventure Comics. And we told them, yep, they were on the list. Well, Mark, this second one is for you. Yes. In fact, they're both for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark. We hope you're still listening. Mm-hmm. Reach out and let us know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you come across any other stories, please let us know because we yes. might not have picked up on them. Exactly. So thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's always good to get feedback from listeners. Oh, absolutely. Shall we do the contemporary correspondence then, Pizzi? Yes. Speaking of feedback, we'll jump on to their letters page. 
Yes, the, this correspondence comes from the, the letters page of issue 392. There are a few letters about the other story in this issue and some general chat about Linda's hair that I mentioned from that full page. Mm-hmm. Susan Smith says, I don't really like any of the style's pictures, so I'm sending a sketch of the style I like. <laughs> Mike Snodgrass, he's of the opinion that her hair's fine, doesn't need changed. Derek Primack from Colorado, he says, I don't like any of the Linda Lee hairstyles. I think it should be over her ears, as it is in the second story of issue 385. <laughs> So there's one letter amongst all of this terrific correspondence that relates to the story we've just read, and Peter's going to read it to you now. Dear Editor, when Supergirl changed into a wolf girl, her face and arms became hairy, but not her legs. Why? And that comment, which is something I was going to bring up, <laughs> is from Joseph Golds from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes, and the editorial response is, because her top half was wolf, while her lower half was girl. Ed, and I think that's very unsatisfying. What I think was most likely is that Supergirl, like Wonder Woman, probably wears some kind of tights, pantyhose, flesh-coloured, which was obviously covering up the indiscretion of what was going on on her lower half. That's what I think was most likely happening. I quite like that answer, actually. I think it's quite fun. I think it'd look weird if she was uh, flying about with hairy legs. Yes, it would be <laughs> quite, would have been quite amusing. It made her look very feral. It'd make her look too alien, I think, you know, whereas it's more recognisable. Well, I don't know. It would have, it would have reinforced, I suppose, the, the unpleasantness of what was happening. It gives a sort of mermaid effect, actually, in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's splitting in half like that. Possibly. I don't know. I'm sticking to the tights. It means you can do the, the view from the back, and then, you know, if you have the shock reveal of the face. That's true. Whereas you couldn't do that if you had hairy legs. So I think it works narratively for that. But I suppose if they'd had the sort of the hairy legs, etc., it might have built up a bit of tension. You'd have more to, to represent. Mm. I bet it was disgusting. I bet they probably thought, no, we can't have her having hairy legs. That wouldn't be nice. <laughs> Listeners, do you prefer your superhero? Do you have hairy legs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listeners, do you have hairy legs? Write in and let us know. Peter, if people <laughs> wanted to write in and tell us whether or not their legs were hairy, how would they go about it? Well, you can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media. We'll, we'll be posting pictures of our hairy legs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> perhaps. Oh. Or other bonus content. We'll, we'll think about that. We'll run a straw poll. <laughs> Peter has previous for posting photographs of himself in compromising situations on the <laughs> on the interwebs. So we'll, we'll run a straw poll amongst our immediate friends and find out if they think it's a good idea. That sounds worse than it actually is. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> We might post that picture when we get to that issue. Oh, listeners, if only you knew. Yeah, check out the socials, listeners. There's not an awful lot in the way of bonus content for this issue. I've managed to track down one foreign market reprint, which obviously is of a story that we didn't cover, but I'm going to put it up anyway. I will put up the full page of Linda's hairstyles as well, so you can have a look at that and and think about what DC were peddling to young ladies in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you want to see any of this on Facebook and Instagram, we're at the Earth 2 Podcast and on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth 2. We certainly are. If you're feeling generous, listeners, please go to wherever it is you receive your podcast and give us a glowing review. That would be lovely. If you're feeling even more generous and you have hundreds of cash to fling around, buy us some Sugar and Spike comics. Email us and we'll tell you where to send them. Or you could go to our coffee page. You'll find the link to that on our link tree. You'll find the link to our link tree in our Twitter profile. And you could buy us the price of a beverage. That'd be lovely. And on that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And Peter and I and our hairy legs will see you next time on... The Earth, the Earth 2, 2 Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Super get... Many people are disturbed by her appearance. They fear this hideous wolf girl may be some alien posing as Supergirl, perhaps scouting Earth for an alien invasion. That's the best Piers Morgan impression I've ever heard. (laughs)
There you go. There you go. That's hilarious. I'm going to do a tweet that says, Hi, I'm Piers Morgan. <laughs>